If you have your Bibles, go to Matthew 5. Matthew chapter 5, we're picking up in verse number 27. We're walking through uh, the Sermon on the Mount, uh, Matthew chapter 5, chapter 6, and chapter 7. And uh, this morning we're in chapter number 5, and we're picking up verse number 27 and following. And today we're talking about <clears throat> the sin of adultery, uh, the sin of adultery. And uh, <clears throat> I'm thankful to God for my family. Uh, God's blessed me. I'm, I've been married for 31 years. It took me a minute because it's... it's uh, Anniversary's coming up later this year. But uh, 31 years I've been married, and I'm grateful to God for our marriage. Uh, I, I, I'm so blessed, so thankful. And uh, nothing, nothing sweeter than going home. Uh, uh, my favorite time of day is to be able to check in at the house at the end of the day. Uh, I love it. Uh, I love going home to my wife. I, uh, my boys are grown now, but I can remember back in the day going home and being greeted by the boys and greeted by my wife and just having an incredible time of supper together. And then, uh, and then in the evening time, we would always have prayer time. We would go in and we would gather together as a family and we would pray and, uh, together. And it was just sweet, sweet fellowship, sweet, sweet time. And, uh, and I don't ever want to take that for granted. I'm grateful to God for that. And I, and, but, I'm, but I'm so mindful today. I'm so mindful uh, that, that that's not the case for everybody. In fact, there's a lot of people that are struggling because of the issue that we're talking about today. Many homes, many families have been devastated because of adultery. In fact, when you're talking about this sin that devastates, it destroys lives. It destroys precious families. You take, take some families and they don't go home, and those aren't the memories that are had, but rather we go home and we have bickering and fussing and we have fighting, and, and then you have mom or dad leaving with no place to go, and you have children in the midst of that who are angry at moms and angry at dads and cry themselves to sleep at night. That's the case. That's what this sin of adultery will lead to is devastation and destruction. And you think, man, why in the world? Why in the world would somebody go there? Why would they do that? What in the world possesses a person uh, uh, to break down their family? When you're talking about families and when you're talking about individuals, nobody, nobody sets out to put themselves in this situation. Nobody. In fact, I've done a lot of weddings for people, and, and it's always at the wedding that we're vowing, man, till death do us part. We're together. We're a family. I'm yours and you are mine. 100% committed. And, and, and we're wanting to write this story. We're wanting to write this script that simply says happily ever after. That's how we start out. And yet for many, for many, it doesn't work out that way. It's not a happily ever after. Nobody says, man, I can't wait. I can't wait to take the wife. I can't wait to take my husband's heart and just stomp it and step on it and treat it like trash. We don't start that way. How is it that we get to that point? What happens? What happens along the way? And I believe that today's text Jesus answers that question. Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse number 27 through 30. And the Bible says this. <clears throat> you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye makes you stumble, tear it out and throw it from you. For it is better for you to lose one of the parts of your body 
than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. If your right hand makes you stumble, cut it off and throw it far from you. For it is better for you to lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to go <clears throat> into hell. Jesus Christ has been preaching this sermon on the mount, and again, what he's dealing with is he's dealing with religious people that are really oozing with pride. That I am not that bad of a person. That I'm actually a good guy. I'm actually a good girl. I mean, I've got it together. I've never murdered anybody. I've never committed adultery with anybody. And they're focusing on the outward acts. And Jesus says, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. You need to understand something. It's a matter of the heart. Make sure your heart is pure before God. So he begins with these beatitudes. And in the middle, in the very beginning of Matthew chapter number 5, he talks about what we call the beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit. The poor in spirit, blessed, the very first step is a recognition of my utter depravity before God. That woe is me, for I am a sinner before God Almighty. And that's the very first step as a Christian. We need to recognize about ourselves is that, listen, we have this flesh. We have this flesh. And even when we're born again, we still have this flesh that we will struggle with until we see Jesus face to face. If you ever come across a Christian who feels like they have arrived, trust me, they haven't. One day, what a day that will be. <laughs> One day. If you're a believer, it's going to be a struggle. We have these struggles along the way. So Jesus is dealing here with two of the, of the most powerful influences on the planet when you're talking about anger and lust. Both of them lead to what we would call temporary insanity. It's amazing what people will do when they're struggling with these issues. Anger. Anger leads to murder. A brother will murder a brother because of anger. Adultery. A husband or a wife will stomp on the heart of the one they love because of lust in the heart. He's talking about some powerful, powerful emotions. And so God, help us recognize and help us make a decision. In fact, this week I was studying this passage of Scripture and thinking, what a terrible, what a terrible, terrible decision to make, that I would exchange everything I built my life for, that I would exchange my name, that I would exchange honor for a temporary moment of pleasure and a lifetime of regret. That's a terrible exchange. That's a terrible exchange. And so what we've got to do is recognize where it begins. It begins in the heart. It begins invisible. It begins with thoughts in the mind. And when we have those thoughts in the mind, remind yourself, remind yourself, am I willing to make that decision? Am I willing to be that stinking stupid that I would exchange my honor for just a moment of pleasure? God help us. And so Jesus, he's saying this is a serious, serious deal. He begins with a prohibition of adultery. A prohibition of adultery always has been prohibited in Scripture. The Bible says, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit 
adultery. And then he goes on from there. But he's basically quoting Exodus 20, chapter number 14, which is in the Ten Commandments. You shall not commit adultery. And what it is, it's an unequivocal prohibition of the sin of adultery. You shall not commit adultery. And when you're talking about adultery, it's prohibiting sexual intercourse, sexual encounters between people that are married to somebody else. It says, hey, protect the sanctity of your marriage. That's how I intended sex, is what God is saying to each one of us. When you're talking about sex, God created sex. He did, and he did it for a purpose, uh, a twofold purpose. In fact, when you're looking at Scripture, one would be for procreation. In other words, when you look back at Genesis chapter number 1, and in verse number 28, <clears throat> the Bible says God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. But basically saying, hey, listen, I created sex, and one of the reasons for creating sex is for procreation. That's, that's how you have children. But number two, for recreation between couples within the confines of marriage. Ecclesiastes chapter number 9, and in verse number 9, the Bible says this, Enjoy life with the woman whom you love all the days of your fleeting life, which he has given to you under the sun. For this is your reward in life and in your toil and in which you have labored under the sun. And so praise God for sex. He created it. And when you're talking about it, it's interesting because the whole subject of sex has become a taboo subject. In fact, when you're talking about sex, we have thrown terminology in there that we just accept as, well, that's just what we talk about. But for example, we say, man, safe sex. What is safe? What do you mean? God didn't design sex to be dangerous. Safe sex. What are you talking about? In fact, when you're talking about the word sex, sex ought to be, this is how it ought to this is how it ought to hit us. This is how it ought to strike us. When we talk about the subject of sex, we ought to th think about home. We ought to think about man. We ought to think about woman. We ought to think about husband and wife. That's the confined. That's how God created sex. It ought not to be thought pornography. It ought not to be thought adultery. It ought not to be thought uh, 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 prostitution. Those thoughts ought not cross our mind, but what happens is what God creates. The devil always perverts, and he's perverted this thing, and it's destroying lives. When the devil gets into the mix, he takes something that God intended for good, and he uses it to destroy people. And it's a serious subject. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse number 4, Hebrews 13 and verse number 4, marriage, marriage is to be held in honor. It's precious among all. And the marriage bed is to be undefiled for fornicators and adulterers. God will judge. And when you're talking about this prohibition of adultery, you know, the Bible also, God, God also in his word, hey, it, it goes, in fact, <clears throat> we're living in a day where you have to be careful and it needs explanation. And, and what a terrible day that we have to explain that, listen, it's supposed to be between uh, 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 the marriage covenant. And, and, and God, let me tell you something, God does not recognize the marriage covenant between a man and another man or the woman and another woman. That's not, that's not what he's saying, limiting sexual encounters to. That would be referred to in Scripture as homosexuality. And that's sin against God. <clears throat> And so when you have someone saying, well, at least I'm faithful to my partner. Well, if, 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 if you're with 
man with man or woman with woman, you're fornicating. And it's also forbidden. Homosexuality. But even sexual encounters outside of marriage, which is fornication, the sins of fornication, premarital sex. You know, we're living in a day where it seems like it's not a big deal. That's just expected. That's just the way it's supposed to be. But that's not how God intended there to be. God's, God, gave, God gave us an incredible gift unlike anything else he's given us. And what that is, is our virginity. And he, he packages up our virginity, and he says, hey, this is a gift. This is a gift I'm giving to you. And I'm entrusting you. It's not for you to be used at your discretion. But I'm entrusting it to you for the one that I'm going to bring to you one day. And you give them that gift. That's God's design. And when we practice that, what an incredible life is ours. We can live without regret. And it's not just, it's not, fornication is not just limited to young people because you know what the fastest growing STD community in the world is? Retirement centers. You know, we have to be careful because what we do is we redefine love. And let me just say that, especially to our young people or anybody, hey, so he tells you that he loves you, but he's not married to you. He's burning with lust in his heart. I just want to commit sin with you. She says that to you. Recognize it for what it is. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13, and verse number 5, talking about love, love does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own. And yet that's what adultery does. That's what adultery does. Adultery simply seeking its own. Total disregard. Total disregard for you. Total disregard for your family. Total disregard for your God. Proverbs chapter number 6. Proverbs chapter number 6. The Bible says it like this in verse number 32. And 33, Proverbs 6 and verse 32 and 33, the one who commits adultery with the woman is lacking sense. And can I just say, although he's writing in, with those genders, we can, we can switch up the genders. The one who commits adultery with the man is lacking sense. He who would destroy himself, that's what they do. It's self-destruction. You know, a lot of times we look at God and we look at his word and say, man, he's just a fuddy-duddy. But can I tell you something at the end of the day? God knows what's best for you. He has plans that are incredible that'll blow your mind if we'll just listen to him and trust him with these details in our life. 
And so God helped me recognize again, <clears throat> unequivocally, Jesus Christ is saying here, thou shalt not commit adultery. He begins with the prohibition of the act, but then he goes on to the conception of adultery, of where it comes from. Why would he go there? Why would he shift there? Because I would suggest to you that at this point, in his listeners, among his listeners, there were many that were sitting there among the listeners saying, good night, who do you think we are? I've never committed adultery on my wife. I'll never do that. They were oozing with spiritual pride. And do you know that it wasn't just his listeners, but listeners even today. I'm not that weak. Hey, be careful. Be careful. Be careful. God help us to be strong along the way. <clears throat> the conception of adultery, verse number 28. He says, but I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. The conception. He says it begins in the heart. It's, it's a matter of the heart. It's invisible. In fact, there's been a book written called The Secret Sin. James chapter number 1, verses 14 and 15. And the Bible says this, but each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own Lust. Then when lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. And by the way, when you're talking about Jesus saying in this passage of Scripture, he says, everyone that looks at a woman, he's talking in present participle. It's a continuous looking. In fact, he's not talking about the glance. He's not talking about something that we cannot help. You're walking down the road and you look up and you say, wow, that's a beautiful woman. Wonderful. But it's when we... Go from the glance to begin to gawk. And, 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 and it becomes a gaze for the purpose of lusting after her or after him. And that's what he's talking about. He's talking about secret sin. And this sin that he's talking about today, do you know that there are people that on the outside are squeaky clean? In other words, man, you look at their life and you say, man, they, they don't have any strength. They're just walking with Jesus. You can be squeaky clean on the outside and your heart be filthy on the inside. Looking and lusting. Looking and lusting. And that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, hey, listen, you be careful. In fact, do you understand Y'all never, y'all never, nobody in this place ought ever to look at somebody and hear of moral devastation in their life and say, how in the world could they do that? Do, do you not know how they could do that? H have you never looked and lusted? Is everybody all right this morning? David and Bathsheba. That's the exchange I'm talking about. David and Bathsheba's story. When you talk about David, if this morning we were to say, hey, what do you know about David? Well, there's a few things you know about David, but I tell you, the top of the list about David, he failed. To exchange honor for a moment of pleasure, went out on his roof, he saw her, that wasn't the sin. But when he went back and continued to look, he began to lust. 
and lust gave birth, the desire gave birth to the deed. And that's what Jesus is talking about here. What about the desires of your heart? Are they pure or are they clean? The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter number 10, in 1 Corinthians chapter number 10, and verses number 11 and 12, it says it like this. Now these things happened to them as an example, and they were written for our instruction upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed that he does not fall. What's he saying? What he's saying is, hey, if it happened to David, it can happen to anybody in this building. And by the way, no matter your age, no matter your age, how does it happen? Where does it begin? It begins with the thoughts. That's what Jesus is talking about. It begins with things like, for example, pornography. We're living in a day where you look around and how in the world, as the psalmist said, can a young man keep his way pure? We're bombarded. Instant access to pornography. The very purpose for which it was created was to get you to look and to lust. And the problem with pornography is that, number one, it's sin against God and it affects our fellowship with Him. And the Bible says in Proverbs 28, verse number 13, Proverbs 28, verse 13, He who conceals his transgression will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will find compassion. I've heard it said before that when it's talking about sin in our life, that if we'll uncover it before God, he'll cover it back up. But if we try to cover it before God, he'll uncover it. God help me. It affects our fellowship. <clears throat> we think, I can get away with it. Nobody knows. God does. God does. When you're talking pornography, it distorts our sexual development and destroys marriages. Why is that? Because it's fantasy land. It's fantasy land. You anticipate and develop expectations that are unrealistic. It's fantasy. And it'll destroy your marriage. That's where it begins. And it's not just pornography, but it also comes in the form of real-life people when we begin to look and we begin to lust in our heart for people other than our spouses. And, and, and again, it's a secret. Nobody knows your heart, but you do. And men and women are totally different. I mean, we're different creatures, although we all have a struggle with what we see, obviously, because it, the eyes feed our flesh along the way. But it's interesting how we're different people because when it comes to ladies, I mean, you, you've heard it said, ladies are more like crockpots and men are like microwaves. That's just how it is. I mean, it doesn't take much for a man. Here's a man that writes. He's been faithful. 
faithful to Jesus all of his life, all of his life. Writer, speaker, married 30 plus years to an incredible woman. Both of them are at an event that he's preaching at. He wakes up early one morning to go down to eat breakfast by himself where he encounters a woman never met before, goes back to her room before he goes back to his wife's room, destroying his marriage and his ministry. Never met her before. How could he? There but by God's grace go we. It happens on the inside. For ladies, it happens when we come across a man that's just so stinking sensitive to me. He just listens to me. I wish my husband listened like you listen. And before you know it, you're looking for that relationship with somebody that's not your spouse. And so it begins in the break room at work. And so it begins invisibly. Just just a question, just a question. You ever changed your pattern of how you go about doing things because you hope to catch their eye and their attention and they're not your spouse? You ever find yourself in the morning waking up and as you're getting dressed, you're hoping that this is going to be attractive to that guy and that guy's not your spouse. How many, I I, I just wonder how many marriages have been destroyed because, man, we get out there on social media and we want to reconnect with those folks from high school. I'll be honest with you, I don't care to reconnect with any of them. I didn't intend that to be a joke. I'm guarding my family. And if you think that you can stand, you're wrong. Not in and of yourself. See, women want that listening factor. And man, just one look, that's all it took. I don't care whether she listens, I don't care if she ever talked to me before. I'll throw it all away for that moment. Same questions for all of us. Anybody else on your heart and mind? Because that's where it begins. Setting up guardrails. Setting up guardrails for your marriage to protect your family. I mean, I mean, a lot of times people say, man, aren't you kind of paranoid? <clears throat> I, I believe Jesus Christ already puts out there the seriousness with which we ought to respond. We're going to get there in a minute. <clears throat> I mean, it's just setting up guardrails. And even that, even that's just an exterior protection. God help us. Counseling. I don't counsel with women. That's what my wife is for. It's just not what I do. I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to ride down the street with another woman that's not my wife. 
I want to be above reproach. You think women are attracted to you? No. <laughs> That's not it. I promise you. It's me. I want to guard me against me. And so you set up boundaries for yourself. God help us <clears throat> to protect our families. Anybody that comes and, hey, be careful. I mean, they make whole movies. They make whole movies. I mean, Hollywood makes whole movies, and they don't tell the whole story. Hollywood will make whole movies about a, a person that's married to one person, and through a set of circumstances, they end up in the big city with a person that's not their spouse. And boy, isn't it, isn't it something how good night, life just brought us together, don't you think? Maybe possibly, even though I'm covenantal related to, to, to one person, that maybe perhaps God just brought you into my life for a moment like this. Can I tell you, God didn't do that. And by the way, if you want the rest of the story... There's somebody that you really do love dearly back at the house. And if you have kids involved, so are they. And you don't see that part of the story. Terrible exchange. Jesus says, you look and you lust, man. You look and you lust. Kent Hughes, he said this. Listen. I concur 100% with what he says in the statement. Kent Hughes said, The man or the woman who commits adultery says this to his children. Your mother or your father is not worth much, and your mother or your father is a liar and a cheat. Furthermore, Honor is not nearly as important as pleasure. In fact, my child, my satisfaction is more important than you are. And you may be here and try to defend your actions, but that's exactly what you're saying to your children. Jesus talks about this correction act, verses 29 and 30. If your right eye makes you stumble, tear it out. Throw it far from you, for it is better for you to lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand makes you stumble, cut it off and throw it away from you, for it is better for you to lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to, be, to go into hell. By the way, the word for hell that he's using in this, not just this particular passage, but throughout his sermon that he is preaching is a word that comes from Guiana, which is located on the southwest corner of the city of Jerusalem, which was a garbage dump where they would throw bodies that had been sacrificed. And there was a flame that never stopped and a stench that never stopped. And what he's saying is simply this. Hey, you want to throw your life away? Piece of garbage? He's not talking about losing my salvation. In this passage of Scripture, 29 and 30, 
he's not speaking literally either. If he were speaking literally, we'd probably all have one eye and one hand. Literal. He's not speaking literally. Because, because if he were speaking literally, it would just simply compound the problem. In fact, this morning, you could be here, you can cut your hand off and you can pluck your eye out and you can still struggle with lust. So he's saying, hey, that's not it. But, but what he is saying, he's saying, hey, make sure you deal with the desires that come, the eye. Make sure you deal and deal swiftly. Treat it like cancer, because that's exactly what it is. It will destroy you if you let it linger. So get rid of it completely, the desire. And the action, the deed, the hand. Make sure you deal with it completely. Cut it off, get rid of it. It's amazing when you have conversations with people sometimes how dumb we can be. How, how you can have someone struggle with the issue of adultery and yet they still want to be friends with the one with whom they've committed adultery. He's saying, cut it off. Stop. Deal with it. You know, the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 22, 2 Timothy chapter 2 and in verse number 22, now flee from the lustful desires, youthful lusts, and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. It's a picture of Joseph and Potiphar's wife. Joseph and Potiphar's wife. Remember that story? All of a sudden, Potiphar's wife was trying to entice him trying to get him to come and have sex with her. And, and, and rather than stand there and say, I can't, I just can't do that. I still, you know, I, I really do care for you, but I just can't do that. Man, he, he ran. He ran. And you know what he said? Sometimes our response would be, how in the world could I do that against your husband who's taking care of me? He said, how could I do that and sin against God? How could I do something like that and sin against God? He ran. I don't know where you are this morning, but perhaps there's some that are here that are struggling with different areas. And I just want to give you a couple of steps along the way, because when you're talking about Jesus Christ, although he delivers a message of destruction, when you're looking through this passage of Scripture, he's letting us know, man, we have a great need. He, he delivers this message of destruction, but at the same time, he also says, I am your redemption. I, I can make things whole. I can help. What do we do? Number one, we repent. We repent. That means to agree with God that, man, this is sin against you and I will stop. And I will start following you. The Bible says in Acts chapter 3, verse number 19, Acts chapter 3, verse 19, Therefore repent and return, so that your sins may be wiped away in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. And oftentimes we don't take the step of, repent, of repentance, but rather we simply regret
Regret just says, I, I, I know this is wrong and I really feel bad. Repent says, I know it's wrong and I'm going to stop. I'm walking away from that stupidity. To fast and pray. Some people struggle and have major struggles. The Bible says all the way back <clears throat> in Isaiah chapter number 58. Hey, by the way, in the Beatitudes, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Isaiah 58, fast and pray, to fast and pray, to repent, to fast and pray. You want to be set free? Fast and pray. The Bible says, Isaiah 58, verse number 6, Is this not the fast which I chose to loosen the bonds of wickedness, to undo the bands of the yoke, and to let the oppressed go free and break every yoke? To fast and pray. And then to feast on God's word. The Bible says in Psalm 119, verses 9 through 11. Psalm 119, verses 9 through 11. How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to your word. With all of my heart I have sought you. Do not let me wander from your commandment. Your word I have treasured in my heart that I may not sin against you. It's all about decisions. It's all about decisions. Will I choose a life of honor or will I exchange a life of honor for a moment of pleasure and a lifetime of regret? It's decisions. God help me be faithful. God help me be faithful. God desires the best for you. And if there's never been a time in your life when you've called on his name, I'm encouraging you today to call on his name. Man, we need him. We need him. If we're going to live life as he calls us to live life, I need him. And if there's never been a time that you've called on his name, I'm inviting you to call on his name today to be saved, to be saved, to begin today, new life in Jesus Christ. Maybe you're here this morning, you say, man, I've been struggling. I don't know what your struggles are, but maybe you're here today, and you say, man, I've got secret struggles going on, and I just need some prayer. We'll have people that can pray with you this morning. Maybe you're here this morning, and you just hear that, and you would say, man, I just, today, 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 I want to renew my covenant before God Almighty with my wife. Take time, take time before you leave this place. Pray over your wife. Pray with your husbands. God, I want to renew my covenant with you. Guard me. Help me be. Help me be the man that you've called me to be for my wife. Help me, God. Join me for prayer this morning. Today we're going to pray, and after we pray, we'll sing a song. And after that song, maybe this morning you hear and you say, man, I'd like to talk with somebody, pray with somebody. I'm inviting you to come this morning. Man, maybe even during a song, if you want to just get on your knees, if you want to come down, you can pray. Whatever you need to do today. Oh, God, help us be obedient. Father, thank you for the day. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your warnings, God. So many times we fly by the warnings that you give to us. And God find ourselves shipwrecked on the rocks of faith.
Lord, today, awaken us. Awaken us. I pray for our young people, God, that today they would resolve in their heart before you. God, that I will be pure. That, God, your gift is safe with me. God, I pray that you would help our husbands and our wives. God, have eyes only for our spouse. Oh, God, that we would be keenly aware of the roaring lion who would love to destroy us and our homes and our families. God, give us wisdom to know how to guard that which is most precious to us. Oh, God, today, Father, have your way. Lord, we love you. We thank you for loving us like you do. <laughs> thank you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.